Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Sex Wrap. You're here with Spring and Andrew, and we have a special guest today who we'll introduce in just a few moments. Andrew, how are you today? Having a weird day. Like, uh, those you can't see me. Maybe I'll post a picture and put it on our Instagram. I'm wearing, like, black and white, but a bow tie that's black and pink. I'm trying to celebrate pride, but at the same time, with the events that have been going on in the world over the past week plus, you know, I mean, I almost feel like there's a funeral, but then there's all of this change happening at the same time. I'm kind of sad. I'm kind of excited. Uh, I think social justice movements are really important and we're seeing one really take off. I don't know. I'm just having a lot of really conflicted thoughts. And I think it's really important to start talking about. Um, and I often dress the way I kind of feel on the inside. <laughs> so I don't know how are you feeling. Yeah, I mean, so we're recording this show in early June 2020. And June is Pride Month. Um, and also, we have a lot of protesting and riots happening around racism in our country right now. Um, and I'm so excited, you know, that we are finally starting to um, address this maybe in some way and getting this out into the cultural conversation. And um, yeah, it's a really challenging time to navigate, you know, how do we do our work and how do we live our lives and how do we continue to address these things every day and how do we do all these things at once? I mean, it kind of blows my mind when we look back to like the things that were sort of sparking off the gay rights movement. It was Marsha Johnson throwing a brick in response to police brutality. And from that point on, it was wildfire and it spread across the country. And I mean, in a really short amount of times, LGBTQ plus people have made huge strides in progress for civil rights. But at the same time, there's a lot of work to be done. The Supreme Court is now having a like they're now hearing whether or not it should be legal to fire gay people just because they're gay. Um, and right now, all of these protests going on are for the same kind of events that are happening, except this time much more focused on people of color. Um, and I think that it's really important for us to spend time being honest and and talk about our feelings and then things that we can do. I mean, I teach about this stuff and I talk about it all the time and I'm having you know, emotional angst. I'm having existential crises over where I am and what can I do. Um, and we've had a lot of our listeners submit questions over the past couple of weeks about this as well. All all kinds of issues about race and love and race and relationships and race and family. And I, I just want to pause for a second and go back to something you said about Marsha P. Johnson. And um, you talked, you just started to kind of uh, reference the beginning of Stonewall. And Stonewall is what really kicked off LGBTQ rights um, in our country. And that is, you know, why we celebrate Pride. And we do have a whole episode specifically about that, which we'll put a link to in our show notes also. So if you want to go back into the archives and really listen to, you know, the history of pride and why we celebrate pride. Um, do some more of that homework also. And, and yeah, that is, um, all so important for us to remember our history is and where we come from. And I think that 
that's something that we'll really get into today is where we talk about, you know, where we are now and where we've come from and what this current context is that we're living in. And I think it's also really important to point out that Marsha Johnson was a Black trans woman, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, the the level of connection between these movements and the importance of them and how close they are to who I am as a person and all of these people who I love in my life, I mean, it's just ongoing fight for justice. Yeah. But uh, before we go much further, I want to introduce our really special guest. Um, we have uh, Renee Dickens-Callan with us today. And to describe her, uh, I met her six years ago. Uh, I work with her at the University of Miami. And uh, I, I talk about her as my people. It's very rare when you're working in places where you can see someone and it's a genuine smile or a genuine hug or mm. you're genuinely excited to see them. Um, and whenever I walk across campus, I feel blessed whenever she's there. I can sit in a room with her and we can have a conversation about really intense things. We've worked together on projects that were really intense. Um, and I could just be myself and be honest. And I got the exact same thing back from her. Um, but we don't do just hard work. Um, we also have been judges for homecoming competitions before. Uh, and she was brave enough to get up and dance when they're playing some of the music. I'm kind of sitting there to the right of her Ooh. being like, I wish I was as brave as you were, Renee. Now I know um, she's my people too. She's your people too. <laughs> but uh, we, I love her. She is absolutely amazing. I am privileged to work with her. The students that she works with absolutely rave about her. She has changed the culture to be more diverse and more inclusive. She has gotten resources allocated and she has risen through the ranks. When we look at all of the aspects of student life uh, it, that, that are about engagement and, and love, like she is the core of all of that. So I, Renee, you're here with us today. That's that just the introduction doesn't do you justice, but welcome to our show. And uh, Would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself before we start digging into some of the questions? Sure. And thank you very much for that very kind introduction. Um, Just a shout out to to Andrew and Spring for all the work that you're doing. Um, Just very appreciative of the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with you. Um, What you're doing is so important for um, young people and for families that um, I'm just really, really grateful. Um, wish there was something like this when I was a kid, because I think the more you have these kinds of conversations, um, the better off we all are. Um, so, so yeah, I, I um, have worked for the university for quite a while, well over 25 years um, in a variety of, of, of roles. Um, I also teach a couple of courses, an undergraduate class that's called Intergroup Dialogue, which, you know, is really relevant to some of the conversations that I think um, hopefully will be having um, today. Um, and I also talked to uh, master's level students about student development theory. So really learning about how students think, how they grow, how they develop. Um, but but the work that I do at the university um, and how I actually got into higher ed is all centered around diversity inclusion. Um, and and it's because of the way that uh, my experiences as as a young person in college and in high school, um, growing up as an African-American um, woman and then navigating uh, predominantly white spaces really sort of afforded me an opportunity to um to, to see the need for greater conversation around um, race, socioeconomic status, diversity, LGBT communities. And so really, this is my life's passion. And so I'm just happy to be here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so 
today, all of the questions, like I said earlier, are going to be centered around issues of race and relationships. Um, and we've had quite a few people submit questions about how to talk about race, Black Lives Matter, and All Lives Matter with their partner. Right. So how do I talk about these issues with my partner? Um, and there's additional context that have come in with some of these questions, like my partner doesn't get it or my partner keeps saying all lives matter. Um, but how can we help? Like, what are what are some advice? What are some steps that we can give uh, people to be able to navigate these kind of difficult conversations with their partners? And I just want to give you some context for whenever Andrew answers a question like this, he'll just say, break up with them. So... <laughs> That's not the answer we're looking for. <laughs> well, it is oh. a answer. It is an option. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I would say, um, you know, these kinds of conversations are tough. Um, talking about race, um, talking about um, identity is not always easy. And there's a little bit of privilege in, in, in being able to say, I don't want to talk about that. This doesn't affect me. Um, I don't see what the big deal is. So I, I think there's a little bit of privilege in there. But my advice would be to first educate yourself. Um, there are so many amazing resources available, um, so many articles, books, um, blogs, shows like this, um, just opportunities really to sort of educate yourself on, on these topics. Um, you can't force people to have a conversation that they're not ready to, but you can try to meet people where they're at. And that's really what I try to do in, in my work is how do I meet people where they're at? Um, we're socialized in, ver in various ways, whether we realize it or not. And, and sometimes we're socialized to, to think that a certain group of people are the way that they are, are, are experiencing things that they're experiencing, are having the life um, that they're having because of choice. And we all know that that's not always true. There are all these systems, all, all of these things that are out there that, that really dictate in a lot of ways how we end up where we are. And so I, I would say if you have, have a partner who is hesitant to talk about these things, um, first educate yourself because you really want to be speaking from first person. You want to be speaking from truth. You also maybe want to give the person time to just say like, hey, like, is there an opportunity um, for us to share our stories, right? We all have a story on how we got to where we are, um, the things that influence us, um, the schools that we went to, how, why do we think the way that we do, right? We're all influenced in very different ways. And sometimes giving people an opportunity to tell their story opens up the door for you to tell yours. Um, and then you can sort of start challenging yourself to, to think about, do I need to expand my own network? Um, are the voices that I'm listening to, are the things that I'm reading all from the same source? Are they all similar voices? Um, we all know that even if you are raised in the exact same household and you have siblings, you're not the same. So <laughs> why would we think that everybody else's story is the same? So I, I think it's, it's we have to take a moment of, of pause. Um, we have to acknowledge that we don't know it all. We have to acknowledge that talking about race 
is scary. And if it's scary, why is that? Right. Um, you know, like a lot of these conversations are uncomfortable. I mean, and I think that when we when we talk to people, race is probably as scary, if not more scary than a lot of the other episodes that we've done. We're constantly talking like, how do I ask someone to touch me here or do this different thing or try a different position or anything else? Um and a lot of the advice Spring and I have given over the last four years about like sexual health communication, the same kind of rules apply for race, except you also are digging through, if you're in the United States, 400 years of baggage. And sometimes that 400 <laughs> years of baggage almost feels insurmountable. Like, is it even worth it for me to start that climb? Or am I just going to get overwhelmed? Or am I going to be wrong? Because I think people are also really afraid to be wrong. And I really love what Renee said about like, meet someone where they are, educate yourself and then ask other people for stories. Because if you're asking someone for their story, you're not, you can't be wrong, right? Like, I, I'm interested in your story. Now, this week may not be the best week to be asking uh, people of color or minority, like anybody who's protesting, it might not be the best week because a lot of people are exhausted, right? I think part of this this question is also like, when is a good time to ask and who do you ask and how do you ask those kind of questions? Mm-hmm. And and I mean that, you know, that's so similar to what we talk about all the time is you want to find the right time to do that. And you don't just want to um, do that in the midst of a s- extreme stressor, like which is what we're experiencing right now. And I love what Renee said, you know, educating yourself so that you can have these conversations. And I think that education is like so that you understand it, but it also gives you the words and gives you skill to actually be able to bring this up with someone. And Renee, I would love for you to like talk a little bit more about um, if this partner or close friend that you want to talk about race issues is of a different race than you, like how, what are the kind of extra care or steps to go about that? So, you know, when, when you are in partnership, um, or in a relationship with someone who has a different identity from you, you do have an obligation to try and educate yourself about that particular community, about the person that you're in a relationship with. Um, and so I, I, I honestly would, would tell folks to um, similar things, like you want to listen, right? And by, by listen, and we all think that we're good listeners, right? But, but we're not. Right. Usually we are listening to respond. And so we have to develop skills and competencies that allow us to actively listen. Right. To listen with the intent to understand, to listen and not want to um, say, yeah, but or to have a rebuttal or a response. Right. When you are trying to get to know someone, you have to suspend um judgment. You have to take a moment to get to know the person's person's story, right? What is their lived experience? And you have to really listen to them. Um, and that's where it starts. If you, if you can't listen to someone else, talk about their feelings, their experiences, um, then you'll never sort of make progress in understanding your partner and understanding your, your fellow person that you, that you meet on the street because you've already determined what the truth is. And we can't judge other people's lived experiences. We have to leave space for people to be able to share what their authentic experience was like. 
in the same way, we want that for ourselves, right? Like if I if I I can't go up to someone and say, you know, yeah, I know that you're a part of this community. I know that you're a part of the LGBT community. Um, I don't happen to be a part of the community, but I don't think what you're saying is accurate, <laughs> right? That doesn't sit well with people. We have to stop, right? We have to pause and we have to listen. And then we have to take the time to say, I don't know it all. I'm not going to get this right all the time because that's what, what people are afraid of, right? We're afraid yeah, yeah. of saying a comment, making a mistake, um, misspeaking. Um, and, and we're going to do that. Even the people who are the most educated on these topics don't get it right all of the time. But that shouldn't sort of paralyze us into not wanting to try. And I think, you know, if, if it's like what your parents tell you and which sometimes you regret, you know, it's like mouth shut, ears open, right? Like if we can start with that kind of premise, um, I think we can, it will go a long way in terms of providing space to, for your partner to share their truth um, and giving you a moment to digest what they're saying. So that all of these other things that you have learned, that we've been socialized to think about, that you assume is correct, it gives you time, right? If you don't respond, it gives you time to let that information sink in and settle. And then you can figure out how do you ask a loving and caring question that allows the person to share even more information about their experience. Like that's that's what I would suggest. I mean... Like, like Spring and I are just grinning ear to ear. I have a million things I need to say in response to that. Spring does too. Uh, but we need to take a quick break. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back, everybody. So we're talking about uh, race and relationships today. Um, and I wanted to touch on something that Renee had just said. Um, so if you ever think you're listening to somebody and inside of your head, you're having a response or you're thinking about something else or you're trying to formulate an answer or you're thinking about something to say to make them feel better if they're trying if they're telling you something that's painful in their past. If you're trying to think like if you're thinking about anything at all, even if it's a good thought, like, you know, like, how can I give this person a hug or how can I like make their pain go away? You're not actively listening. And I, I mean, I think that's a, it's a really hard skill. Americans are taught not to do it, right? We're always taught to be coming up with that, like <laughs> that silver lining, like, oh, well, what about this? Or what about that? I have a piece of advice about that. And it's um, that don't worry. Like if you're like are thinking something and you're like, oh, if I don't say it now, I'll forget it. You won't. If you've already thought it, it'll come back. So like if you're thinking something and you notice you're thinking it, let it go. <laughs> Try to focus back in on listening. And I promise you, you'll be able to respond just as well, if not better later. Yeah. Like you're not taking notes for a class, right? You're not <laughs> going to have a test on what they said. It's about really trying to feel with them. It's about building empathy with that other person and, and their truth and their lived experience. It's exactly what uh, Renee was saying. Being present, right? How, how often are we present when people are actually talking? And I have another follow-up question for Renee from something that you were saying, um, because this like really, really struck me. You said something about how 
if people say, you know, this isn't an issue for me, like that's a privilege to be able to say that, you know, race is an issue for me or racism isn't an issue for me or I don't see race or whatever these phrases are that are all kind of echoing that sentiment. And um, I, as a white person, have been practicing talking to other white people about that. And I found that almost to be like, I feel like I've built some skills around that, but I was recently talking to a friend who identifies as Brown. And that person said to me, um, you know, this, this whole thing that's going on right now, isn't about me. It's about black people and white people. And I have no place within this. And it's not an issue for me. They said, you know, that exact phrase to me. And for me, I really didn't know what to say to that person. I I couldn't situate myself well with an argument for that. And I just, I'm asking you, please help me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's tough, right? I, I think, you know, again, I, I, I know for a lot of people, it is, um, might be annoying or you might get tired of, of, of hearing how, so much of what we are experiencing and what happens today can be traced back to history, right? Um, but when I when I hear people say those those statements, it sort of is a little bit of a reminder that no one wants to be black. That no matter what, we recognize no matter what country you're from, no matter where you were raised, there's almost this recognition that how hard it is to be to be black. If you look at the history of a lot of different countries, um, including the United States, there's always been this pecking order for how people were valued. And black people, unfortunately, have always been at the bottom of that list. And so when I hear um, our, our brown brothers and sisters um, and uh, fellow humans sort of saying, that doesn't impact me. It just reminds me of how much people don't want to be a part of a group that's oppressed, how we will um, sort of distance our distance ourselves, because it is tough. It is painful to recognize that you're a part of a group that is treated differently. So uh, for, for those for those folks who feel like this isn't about them, um, I would sort of challenge them to, in a, in a very nice and, and, and loving way, um, to, to try to find out why. You know, um, we, we can definitely look at statistics and reports that say um, that Black people are not the only ones that um, are having trouble, are arrested, and, and are um, subject to negative outcomes as it relates to the social justice system, right? Like to the justice mm -hmm. system. Like black people are not the only ones, um, you know, people of color in general, poor people. Right. So what is what is being talked about in terms of the Black Lives Matter? Like, yes, black people are at the forefront of it right now because that's what you're seeing all around you. But these issues are not just black and white. Right. The statistics research shows that this is not just about black and white. It is about negative outcomes for people who do not identify as white. That's the bottom line. And we need everyone to care about these issues. I don't care what you look like or where you're from, you should care about these issues. Because if, if just because you're not black, doesn't mean this doesn't affect you. 
If you are from a, a, a lower socioeconomic status, this most assuredly impacts your experience. And that's why we need to remember, like this isn't about just being black, it's about what's happening to our larger community. But I would, I would maybe think about how you can ask the questions of why they think that this is is more of a black and white issue. I mean, a lot of the people that uh, think that they're not a part of it are the same people who sort of say all lives matter, right? And I think all lives matter is not necessarily coming from a place of harm. Like someone doesn't mean it to be harmful. I think it's often coming from a place of privilege where you're sort of blinded to what Renee was just saying. My question, my next question was going to be like, if you were dating somebody and you were saying like black lives matter and they responded with all lives matter, like how would you respond to something like that? Now, this is one of those times where I'm like, dump them. Like my response would be like, <laughs> you're done. Now, now that's probably not the best response, um, which is why we have guests on the show who can maybe give us a little bit more of a, a compassionate, empathetic, <laughs> reasoned response, but still dump them. Go ahead. <laughs> sure. And I, I can I can see that after a while, that might be definitely kind of like a response that I would have. But, you know, like in transparency, my spouse is a police officer. Um, and um, I, I, I will say that, you know, when I hear all lives matter um, or when I hear blue lives matter or any other like thing that people want to want to say, you know, again, it it negates what we're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. It negates like obviously we all matter. That's not a question. But but what we're talking about is the disparity in outcomes. Right. The disproportionate um, amount of black lives that are lost. Right. That are um, harmed, that are killed. Right. As a result of their skin color. The fact that um, people who are black are treated immediately before the person even gets out of the car, before you even see the person, we see color, right? We're already making a value judgment about that person. And so to deny that is, is, is kind of not like being honest with, your, with yourself. It's not, it's not a bad thing that when people see me, they, they, they say, okay, here comes a, a black woman or African-American. That, that's not a bad thing. But when you start to make decisions based upon that one identifying marker that I have, that's the problem. And that's why you have this movement that is trying to tell people that we're, it's not about saying that we matter more than anyone else. It's not saying that we don't value other people and other communities, but it's saying that this, in this particular instance, right, in these particular circumstances, this group of people are valued less than everyone else. And that's what we're trying to talk about. That's what we need to see changed. And that's why it's saying Black Lives Black Lives Matter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, black Black Lives Matter too. Black Lives still matter. Like the like whenever someone says all live all lives matter to me, I'm like that that's idealistic. And yes, I, I wish we lived in a world where all lives were equally valued. But it's just like like Renee said, if you just look at any statistic, like it's obvious that that's not the case. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to take a short break, but we're going to be right back to talk about some of those dating apps.
Welcome back, everybody. I love talking about dating apps. Dating apps are my favorite. Thank goodness we're talking about dating apps next. Yay, dating apps and racism. <laughs> so uh, I know in my circles it's happened many times where someone has Growler or Grinder or any of the, uh, the LGBTQ dating apps open, and they'll show a profile saying where someone says something like, no fats, no femmes, no blacks, no Asians. Like, oh, so that's like sizist and misogynistic and doubly racist. Can you it's be like doubly how racist? offensive can you be in one sentence? <sighs> but then there are also people who'll be like, oh, that's fine. I'm not part of one of those groups. So I'm going to go find this person and see if they want to go on a date. So it's just like, once again, we're hitting all of those areas of privilege. But um, I thought it would be useful for us to talk a little bit about some of the different dating apps because it happens on Tinder and it happens on Bumble as well. Um, and what's the difference between something that's a sexual preference, right? Like we all have things that we kind of like and then racism or prejudice. Like, like what does that look like? And how do we start unpacking that? And then how do we actually talk about it? Yeah. Do you have anything to say, Spring? Just, you love dating start, apps? Just start wherever you feel comfortable starting on that one or day. That's just <laughs> 20 questions in one. Go for it. Well, that that's that's pretty tough to unpack. I mean, there's a <laughs> there's a lot going on um, in there for sure. Um, and when you string all of those thoughts together, all of those words together, like I pretty much arrive at Andrew's sentiment of like, okay, dump the person because that, like, <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Um, but, 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 you know, I, I will say that, you know, like we recognize that people have preferences, that people are, might be attracted to, um, for whatever reason, you are attracted to a certain um, type of person who maybe has a certain look. Um, we, we all get that. But for me, when you just sort of do a wide swipe of like, I'm not interested in all of these people because of this one factor, then we need to talk because it makes, I'm not quite sure how you could dismiss an entire race of, of, of people um, because you can't know all of them. You can't know all of who they are. So how do you just automatically dismiss them without, um, without you know, like further examination of like, of, of why? And so I, I would just say like, there, there, there needs to be conversations, right? And I think, again, we, we get the preference, right? We, we, we get that. We get people who um, say, you know, I like people who have long hair. I like people, whatever, who have pink hair, right? Like, like we get that. But I, I think at the end of the day, when we begin to dismiss entire groups of people, then a larger conversation needs to be held. And you might need to take a look in the mirror and say, why is that? Right? Sometimes we have to talk to ourselves, you know, and say, okay, hold up. I might be a little out of bounds. Why? So, I mean, let's talk about like an individual level of racism versus like a cultural or this like larger systemic level of racism. And so when we are growing up in a culture and we are taught that something is attractive over and over and over through our media and through the just stuff that we are fed constantly, then people can start to develop a bias about what they think is attractive, right? Mm -hmm. So like, how do we look at this like 
cultural level of racism and how it impacts our preferences, or I'm going to use quote unquote preferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a really interesting story that kind of relates to this and then we'll keep talking. Yeah. Spring like I always have a story. So um, I'm rolling my eyes, everyone. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's this very famous drag queen. She's Australian. Um, her name is Courtney Act. Do you know how to say Courtney Act in Australian spring? Strings in Australian. Courtney Act. Caught in the act, yeah. Um, so Courtney Act uh, is this very beautiful, tran- uh, not trans, very beautiful drag queen, um, one dancing with the stars and all kinds of other things. But uh, there's this series of videos she released a couple years ago about all of her kind of bias that was just in her head. She grew up in a place that was almost exclusively white. Um, she traveled and then she lived in places that were mostly white. And she's like, well, I'm just interested in white people. And she would be on her dating apps, uh, just, you know, right swiping, left swiping people. And if someone of color came up, didn't matter what their race was, if they weren't white, she just swiped them without thinking about it. She's like, oh, I'm not into that until she was challenged. And then all of a sudden she's like, holy crap, I have all of these sort of intrinsic biases in my head until someone brought it to my attention that it was going on. I didn't realize I was doing it. And it kind of like so she talks about in her videos, we can put a link for them in the in the notes for the show so you can read them as well. Uh, but it made her put a little stop whenever she's in any of the dating apps before she swipes, she sits and thinks for a second, wait, am I swiping this because of some preference that I have? Or am I swiping this because my entire life, every beautiful person that the media ever showed me, every aspirational figure, all of my politicians and religious leaders have been white? Or am I just and the cool part is like as the story unfolds, uh, she starts to date people of color and hang out with people of color. And it takes her a long time to undo the damage that a lifetime of like one image of beauty kind of does to you. But it's a really interesting story that you can see someone unpack and unfold and then really honestly talk about it. Um, and Courtney has no training in racism, didn't go to college to talk about race. So it is pretty raw and unfiltered, but it's like we've been talking about all episode, right? Like it. sometimes you have to have those raw, unfiltered conversations with yourself. She had it with the whole world. So if you're into Twitter, there's some pretty <laughs> crazy tweets that go with it as well. Mm-hmm. All right. But it's, but it's how we're socialized, right? So it, it's, it's where we go to school. It's who the lessons that we're learning in our um, religious communities. It's who we're surrounded by. Like you, you, we can't help, right? We cannot help. Like, again, I think like that's part of, of what we want people to um, sort of recognize that we all are susceptible to that. Like we all have been sort of taught, conditioned and socialized to think about standards of beauty in very particular ways. It's one of the reasons why you see right now um, that the dial commercials are so celebrated or you see ads with different people of color um in them and people of all shapes and sizes sort of now being celebrated in the mass media, right? Like we recognize that for, for so long, we have all been told what is beautiful. We have all been trained to think, even the people who um, are, are told that they're not beautiful, we've also been trained to say someone who doesn't look like us is more beautiful than we are, right? Um, there's legislation out there. Like, why do you have to have legislation to say, the hair that grows out of your hair, your head in a certain way is okay, right? So there are all these things that are out there that continue to this day, continue to tell us 
what we should believe as the standard of beauty. And a lot of times it might not look like you. And so when you go on these dating apps and you are utilizing, whether you're, you know, even when you're friend groups, right? You start to then gravitate towards things and people that you think you feel comfortable with because that's all you know. That's all you've been taught to appreciate. And so that's why it's so important to sort of educate yourself to consult other sources, consult other people um, so that you can get out of the box that you have sort of created for yourself in your understanding of what you like, what your preferences are, so that you can sort of distinguish between this is a preference and this is something that I was taught. This is a cycle that I need to sort of break. And we, we, we all have work to do when it comes to that. So when you're in those dating apps, just when you're looking at a picture, like, is this something I learned or is this a preference that I have? And give yourself a second. And it, you have to train your brain, right? Like you have to put a little like doorstop in there, like before you make that snap judgment to sit back and think and work. About yeah. And I mean, that self-reflection, you know, is something we talk about a lot and really understanding and knowing yourself before you start in a relationship with someone else or afterwards, but do the work quickly. Uh, so it's, but it's something we constantly have to do really. And um, understanding, you know, why we even think certain things are attractive or why we want certain things in our life um, is so important. And like, actually we call that unpacking. And we've said that word a lot today. And that unpacking, we mean like really diving down deeper, like, but why, but why, but why? Like, that's kind of what we mean when we say unpacking, like think of a two-year-old who just keeps saying, but why? And that's kind of what you have to do to yourself, right? You have to say like, but why do I think that? And like, but, but, but why do I think that's better? But, but, but why do, do I find that more attractive? And like, just keep going. And sometimes that's tough, right? Because it might feel like, you know, like whatever you've been told or whatever you've learned um, wasn't the truth. And so that's that's hard. Um, but it's not sometimes it's not what's the truth. It's what that person has been exposed to and what they experience and what they share. But we all have our own lessons that we can learn and we all have to figure out um, for ourselves what that means, what our preferences are. How do we sort of unpack or unlearn some of the things that we've been taught over the years? Unlearn. Oh, yeah, that's a good word. <laughs> a lot of unlearning needs to happen in the United States right now. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of learning and a lot of reflection and a lot of positive things too. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think we're getting close to the end of the episode today. Um, are there any final thoughts? We're at just the tip. So why don't we start with Renee? Do you have any words of wisdom for our listeners? Sure. I, I would say um, while I, while I, want to encourage you to be patient with yourself. I also want to challenge you that the time is now um, that, you know, like we can't wait for someone else to help us figure these kinds of things out. Um, we have to do the work. You have to do the work. You have to take the time to figure out um, how you continue to make the most of your experiences, how you can um, learn about other people, how you can connect to other people and 
you don't wait until you're old, right? Like when you think about all of these movements and Andrew mentioned Stonewall at the be- at the beginning um, and how far we've come, but we have so much farther to go. You know, the reason that people are in the streets fighting right now is because we haven't reached all of the goals and the dreams that our parents and grandparents had for us, right? This isn't, you know, when I think about my, my family, this isn't what they envisioned, right? Like we should be beyond this. And since we know we should be beyond this, it's incumbent upon each of us to figure out how can we educate ourselves and how can we become a better ally for issues that we're really passionate about. And I would just sort of encourage and challenge people to to do that. That's awesome. Thank you. I would say for my um, tip, I want to encourage white people to think about um, whiteness as a race. I think that a lot of times white people kind of think everyone else has a race and um, and we don't and we don't kind of address, you know, what it means to be white and what that race, um, ha- how that has impacted our lives and how our race impacts other lives. And so I just... Um, want that to kind of be the way that um, white people move forward so that they are envisioning that as a race. And I think that that is a good kind of jumping off point to start to have more conversations, both um, with people of your own race and with other people. So mine is do one small thing every day right? Like if we want there to be change, if we want to get better about talking about race, if we want to have healthier relationships where we can talk about the differences between all lives matter and black lives matter, if we want to get better at it, it takes work and it takes work every single day. And it takes challenging not only yourself, the people around you, but the broader systems that kind of set us against each other instead of setting us with each other. So small things every day, some of it's just personal reflection, some of it's having conversations, and some of it's getting out there and voting. Um, But we're going to be keep talking about issues like this for the rest of this month. And then I mean, it's always a part of our show, but more explicitly this month. And then I kind of want to hear what people are doing. Um, So we have our contest this month where you can win condom goodie bags and you can win vibrators. Um, I think that we should expand it, Spring. How do you feel about expanding it to uh, expanding it to show yourself working on any level to address the current issues as well. So not only can you show a picture of you celebrating pride in any way, shape or form, and if it's not safe for you to post those pictures, you can send it to us in a DM. Similarly, if you're out there protesting, uh, if you're out there fighting for what's right, uh, just send us any way that you're doing it, right? If it's social media poster conversations, or if you're on the front lines, once again, uh, just tag us at the sex wrap inside your social media post on Instagram. Um, and if you don't feel safe, you can DM us as well. Do another safety yeah, yeah, yeah. call with that. We um, are encouraging people not to post pictures with faces um, of protest photos um, because we don't want to um, identify people through that. So make sure, yeah, that you're being safe when you are thinking about how you're posting things. And yeah, please, um, you can send us anything as well to enter our contest. Yeah, absolutely. Right. If you're highlighting uh, Black artists, if you're ha- highlighting uh, Black creators, just tag us in those posts as well because we want to see what's going on. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you have any questions about the show or any follow up, you can uh, let us know. Or if you have any other questions about relationships or love or sex or sexual health, uh, you can email them to us. We're the sex at gmail.com. That's a wrap with the W. You can call us at 413-I-RAPIT. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Sex Rap. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks for coming, Renee. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> for everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school or just too music for this episode provided by the ever elusive and mysterious breakmaster cylinder the podglomerate a sonic universe